You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And hearing that, you know it's another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Robertson, of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Atlanta United suffered its first loss of the season in its second game, 3-0 on Saturday at Colorado in Dick's Sporting Goods Park. It was a cold night, and Atlanta United's offense never really got going. Colorado's goals were scored by Diego Rubio in the 33rd minute when he outjumped Alan Franco on a close-range header. Jonathan Lewis in the 48th minute on a volley when uh, Franco again got kind of caught in no man's land. And then Andre Shinyashiki in the 87th minute, a few minutes after Miles Robinson had received a second yellow and was ejected from the game, reducing Atlanta United to 10 players. It was not a very good performance, and I'm going to get into the mailbag in a little bit in which y'all ask me some questions about that. But let's hit some of the uh, storylines from the game. Of course, the afternoon news broke that Ozzy Alonso, who was so good in the week one win against Sporting Kansas City, was a late scratch. Uh, after consulting with the team's cardiologist, the team decided that Alonso should not play. I think he was already on his way back to Atlanta uh, before the game even started. The issue, whatever it might be, apparently happened Friday morning uh, once the team was in Denver or Commerce City, which is where the Dick Sporting Goods Park is. Ozzy Alonso has uh, a couple of appointments with cardiologists, manager Gonzalo Pineda said last night, and he said he is optimistic that Alonso is going to be okay. Alonso, of course, is 36 years old. He's near the end of his career. Health is always important. We'll see what happens and, and just hoping for the best for him. You never want to see someone have to leave the game prematurely. For Ozzy Alonso stepped George Campbell in a man-for-man swap. George Campbell, normally a center back, has played defensive midfield before. Came in, I thought he played fairly well considering he didn't even get the train uh, with live bullets, so to speak, uh, with the team in that position. I thought for a few minutes in the first half, he dominated the game. Colorado didn't quite know what to do with his physicality. He created a, a scoring opportunity for Tyler Wolf that the team couldn't take advantage of. And then he was subbed out uh, just before the 70th minute. But I thought he played well. We're going to have to see if he's going to play the position again next week because the team, of course, is without, or was without, for this game, Santiago Sosa, Franco Abada, who were in Argentina working on green cards, Diego Almada, who's in Argentina working on uh, Visa, Emerson Heinemann, who's still out uh, with ACL recovery, Jake Mulraney, out with an injury, Machop Chol, 
out with an injury, and many, as many as six starters weren't available the other day. So without those six starters, Joseph Martinez, again, was not able to really influence the game very much uh, as a striker. Against Sporting Kansas City, he influenced the game as a playmaker, not really as a scorer. I've just posted a story about the issues that Atlanta United's offense is having when he is not getting the ball in good spots. He had an expected goal yesterday of point zero three, which is just awful. The his uh, sport his uh, expected goal against Sporting Kansas City was like point zero five or point five or something like that. Again, not very good for a guy who is a MLS MVP. The team is just not really getting him the ball in very good spots. And when you're missing as many players as the team is missing, you've got to rely on that one guy who can influence the game, and that's Joseph Martinez. So they've got to get that worked out. Miles Robinson picked up two yellow cards. The first was a very silly time-wasting thing in the first half. He's not going to be available for next week's game against Charlotte. I'll bring that up because if Sosa and Abarra are still not available, George Campbell stepped in at defensive midfielder, but they're going to need him at center back unless they bring in Alex Dijon at center back to pair with Alan Franco, who had a horrible game, I thought. Uh, Gonzalo Pineda is not going to criticize the players. He said he thought he played well, um, particularly bringing the ball forward and breaking lines, but defensively, you could argue that he was responsible for two of the goals. Atlanta United finished with 12 chances, 12 chances created, but an expected goals of less than one, so you could see that the quality of the chances were not very good. Statistically, the team dominated Colorado, they uh, won possession 63.8%, but the expected goals were 0.92 to 1.93. They had more shots, 12 to 9, more shots on goal, 4 to 3. Far fewer shots from inside the box, 5 to 9. Uh, 504 passes to 287. It's crazy. 105 passes in the final third to 90, but they just are not creating any quality chances, unlike the first game. The best opportunity, they, the two best opportunities they had both came in the first half. Tyler Wolf played in by George Campbell. He had his shot stopped by William Yarbrough. It was a really, it was a good shot. It was a much better save. And then Martinez got on the end of an Andrew Gutman cross just before halftime, but couldn't control it. Uh, that's a goal that you would think 2017, 2018, 2019, he would have simply one-timed and off you go. And then we would have had a tie game. The second goal, you could see, I think the altitude started to affect Atlanta United because you could tell when a team starts to get tired when you see a lot of outstretched legs on tackles just kind of poking at the ball. And if you go back and watch the highlight of Jonathan Lewis's goal, you're going to see in the build-up to that a couple of players just kind of sticking their legs out instead of sticking their whole bodies in the tackles. And then the pass comes over the top. No one's there except for Jonathan Lewis. Volley into the goal. Easy peasy. So first thing that I asked Gonzalo Pineda after the match was for some more detail about what happened to Ozzy Alonso. So I think we made a statement on, on Ozzy. It's, it's just that, I mean, the cardiologist came up with, you know, this conclusion that, that we need to do a couple more tests on Ozzy. That happened uh, yesterday, early in the morning. And so we came up with the solution of putting George Campbell as a center meet. He played there a few times last year, and I think he, he did well in that, in that regard. So part of the idea of putting George Campbell there is not changing a lot the dynamic and what we just trained the whole week. So it was just a uh, man-for-man change. And I don't think the game plan changed you know, dramatically with George Campbell for Aussie. 
Pineda also explained what is going to happen next with Alonso. It's up to the doctors. And again, uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's, it's obviously, you know, it's a medical you know, report and I'm not a doctor. Uh, what I can say is he has already a couple appointments with, with two cardiologists uh, uh, for next week. So we'll see the outcome of that. I'm personally optimistic, but uh, we will see what, what the doctors say. So then we got into talking with Pineda about the game plan, and here's what Atlanta United attempted to do against Colorado. The first 25, 30 minutes, I was very happy with the way we were moving the ball around. I think that we were not seeing a couple movements to get in, in between the lines. And then, again, kudos to, to Colorado. They were very aggressive. They were always on the back of, of our players, chasing, pressing, and they were doing a good job in there. So uh, I think the game plan, you saw a little bit the overload in the middle, like with almost four players in the middle of the park, but we were never able to really play them. And then the, the times that we played them, we were lacking a little bit that final pass and those runs in behind that we had last week. So I think, again, is, is the learning process. And again, the key moments of the game uh, early in the second half, I felt that we were having uh, you know, a good plan to, to, to kind of overcome the first half. And then very early in the second half, we get a, a second goal and, and that almost, you know, make it very, very hard. But what I'm very proud of the team is, is the, the effort, the heart and the passion and they never give up. And I think that when you said uh, that about uh, it wasn't the best performance, yes, maybe on the soccer side in the final third, we were not very good. But I, I, I was very happy at the end, even with 10 players. My, my players never gave up, and that's something for me. And uh, I, I think we will build from there, and then we'll try to fix the, the mistakes or the little things that we need to correct, and we will come for the next game ready. And here's Andrew Gutman just talking about the, the key moments in the game. Yeah, I think it, it, it's just us switching off a little bit. Um, you know, the game's 90 minutes long, and you got to be focused 90 minutes. And, you know, I thought we were, you know, on the day, I thought we were pretty good, creating a lot of chances, you know, playing out of the back, playing through them. But, you know, just switched off a couple of minutes. And, you know, Colorado, top of the Western Conference last year, they're a great team, and, and they punished us. If you're listening to us for the first time, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're going to get into the mailbag here just after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, we're back. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me, your host, Doug Robertson, on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. And the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. 
If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. And now to the mailbag. Adam says, there's no shame in losing, but a lot left to be desired in the stripes form. Atlanta players had the ball stolen a lot of times tonight, particularly from behind as many a player was caught flat-footed. Any reason other than Colorado's effort that Atlanta was so poor in this regard? It didn't really stand out to me that that happened a lot. I'm not denying or arguing with you. My guess is the players were on the ball and waiting for somebody to move, and that wasn't happening, and that it, that time spent waiting enabled Colorado's players to catch up and take the ball. It was just it wasn't a good performance by Atlanta, particularly after the first 20, 25 minutes or so. It was really poor. Uh, he continues, Joseph got so little service tonight. In hindsight, I'd have used a different lineup given the players available. Safe to say in Arahujo, our Almada makes a difference in keeping defenders honest. If in a similar situation in the future, would Atlanta be better off making Joseph a line attacker and bulking up the midfield? I'm going to get into that in just a minute with another question from someone. So thank you for those. Ben says, this was by far the worst performance under Pineda. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the first game under Pineda against Nashville was pretty bad, and the playoff game against NYCFC was hard. But we're just kind of trying to pick the worst of bad apples. The tactical plan was uninspiring, and I think the team is going to have a rough stretch of matches during Arahujo's absence. Assuming the team visa injuries don't change, does Atlanta have enough MLS-quality starters to fill out the 11 next week? I hope you're drinking some good coffee. Well, thanks, Ben. Yeah, they do. I mean, this was mostly the same lineup other than Ozzy Alonso that really played well against Sporting Kansas City. Um, obviously, Arahujo not being there did affect the offense, but Atlanta did score two goals against Sporting Kansas City without him on the field. I think last night, after they didn't score on that Tyler Wolf chance and after the Joseph Martinez missed chance right before halftime, Colorado came out and scored that second goal, and I think Atlanta saw the writing on the wall, unfortunately. They did still fight till the end. You saw Joseph fighting. You saw Marcelino Moreno when he came on, still attempting to score and do things. There just wasn't enough creativity. There wasn't enough of a spark. Andrew emailed me and said, I wanted to let you know that your old article on cursing at games was great. I wish more people rallied behind it. I love the game and have had season tickets since the beginning. I'm a new father, and I wouldn't want to get my little girl at the games. I know you had a lot of pushback on the article, but thank you for writing the article. This was a blog idea a few years ago on how um, there's a particular chant. Uh, Orlando does it a lot. Uh, Atlanta United supporters sometimes do it. I, I can't hear them all the time because the press box in Mercedes-Benz Stadium is, is almost soundproof. But in the article, I, I said that this word starts with an F has no place because I think that soccer supporters are are more creative and more intelligent and they could come up with something better. And basically some of them said, no, we're not, <laughs> which is just odd to me. Um, I'm trying to give them credit for being intelligent. They're trying to tell me, no, we're not. Uh, we like this word. Uh, we're going to keep using this word. We're not going to come up with something that's better. So anyway, that's just kind of a funny, a funny incident. Noah says, my question is literally what in the world kind of performance was that? No, but actually, what is the deal with this attack? It is so lackluster, it's almost laughable when you think about the amount of money this team has spent on players. Well, again, Noah, last night, 
Joseph Martinez had a homegrown player, Tyler Wolf, on his right. He had Brooks Lennon, who has played fullback most of the past three years, four years on his left. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Um, and that's why the offense struggled. You had Mateus Uzetu getting involved in the offense. He led the team in shots, but he's still yet to score a goal. Um, he's not going to be someone that a team is going to have to game plan for in terms of you got to stop him from scoring or, or creating attacks because he just doesn't do a lot of that. Um, until Almeida gets on the field, because Arahujo, it's a minimum of four weeks. I'd be stunned if he's back even six weeks, seven weeks. It's going to be tough. You got to win with defense and, and try to get that one goal and then grind it out. Travis says, I know we have a few out for green cards or visas, but are we just hitting a run of bad luck on these injuries? I've followed since day one, and this seems to be the worst run I've seen. And I don't think it's the worst. Last year, under Heinze, it was awful. Just just awful. Um, there's been a couple of other instances where the team really, really struggled uh, to put enough quality players on the field. Last week was even worse than this week. Uh, what You had two goalkeepers on the bench, two left backs on the bench just to fill out the roster. That's how bad it was last week. Now switching to uh, some more Twitter questions. JR says, what is wrong with Bally? Why was it impossible to watch the game at one of the biggest entertainment venues in Atlanta, the Battery? Why did this team start seven defenders? Why do we look incapable of changes at the half? Bally was some sort of technical difficulty. To their credit, they did get it solved in time to get the game on, albeit with Colorado's announcers. They were able to bring Atlanta United's announcers on in that stream at halftime. Um, you know, I, I don't think Bally wanted this to happen, so I can't tell you what's wrong with it. Why did the team start seven defenders? Because it didn't have any more healthy players. It's that simple. Why do we look incapable of changes at the half? Pineda said that they were going to make, they did make changes at the half. They had a game plan, but then Colorado scored that goal, and that game plan kind of went out the window. Jeff says, why do we seem to be the only team struggling to get our players into the country? I don't know if Atlanta United is the only team struggling. I need to go and look and see if any other teams are having issues with visas and green cards uh, for their players. I know that Pineda said last week, apparently Argentina's offices were closed for three or four days. So that pretty much set the team back a week. But we'll see what happens this week. I haven't heard of another player in all of MLS in the same situation. Without Sosa and Ibarra, we had nobody to be the number six except a CB. That was Campbell. Without Almeida, we're already down 117th of the season without a DP. It doesn't make sense. Well, they couldn't get Almeida's visa until he actually signed. And they weren't going to sign Almeida until that legal process played out. This is more bad luck than anything, in my opinion. And our final question from Nick. Hey, Doug, for next week's game, what would you do in terms of a different lineup or different instructions to the team's players? If it's the same pool of players available, I wouldn't change anything. I would rather have the consistency of letting them all start again than start to mix and match and, and poke and change. I guess you could say you'd want to see Marcelino Moreno on the field. I still don't know how many minutes he can give because he missed almost all of the preseason, but that's really the only change I would make. If Atlanta United can't handle Charlotte at home, then they've got troubles. Um, Charlotte, you know, they, they played okay against LA Galaxy last night. They lost one to nothing off a fantastic goal, but they didn't really generate a whole lot going forward until the very, very end when they were desperate. Atlanta should be able to handle Charlotte. All right, I'm going to remind y'all once again that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special promo going on right now. I hope you'll take advantage. For $2.30 a week, you'll get not only unlimited digital access to the paper and the Sunday paper, 
but you'll also get a limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. And if you're listening to us for the first time, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United falls to Colorado 3-0 and is now 1-1 on the season. Y'all take care. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.